Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, The Cat Chat Show brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your own feline family members. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of My Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. Here's some exciting news. Thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. Hope you enjoy listening and watching. I am back with Dr. Megan Heron, one of the three editors of Decoding Your Cat. The ultimate experts explain common cat behaviors and reveal how to prevent or change unwanted ones. Those of you who are following along with chapters of the book, as we have the delightful pleasure of Dr. Megan's company to do this, I highly recommend that you buy a copy of Decoding Your Cat because it's almost like following along on a journey. It's like listening to an audio sort of aspect of a, of a written book. And there's, and, and it's impossible to hit on every single great point that the book makes. And there's just so many of them. And those of you who have ever experienced confusion about your cat's litter behavior, playing behavior, grooming behavior, uh, emotional state, which means every single one of you that owns a cat, you really will be doing yourself and your kitty and your future kitties a great favor by getting the book. Dr. Megan, we were talking last time about the feline dream home and the kind of things that people need to provide, absolutely need to, not can if they want to be super special heroes, but need to provide to their cats. And one of the parts of the feline dream home chapter has to do with toys and also treat dispensers, which are kind of a toy, that mimic hunting. Can you talk about the hard wiring of a cat needing to hunt for its food and just having it put in a dish for them may satisfy them nutritionally, but not emotionally or mentally? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as you've stated a a lot, uh, our cats are obligate carnivores and in order to get that meat, they have to hunt for it. And so that desire to go through that entire process, of hunting is hardwired. And that process isn't just consuming. It is, as you say, the process of hunting. So it's looking, searching, right? They're they're looking at the horizon for movement. They're crouching. They're staring. That mind, the wires are going, right? What's my next move? That, That whole thought process is so important for their mental stimulation of strategizing how they're going to catch and capture, um, their prey. And then it's the pounce and the chase and the grab, the shake, maybe play and torment ever so slightly. Yes, and we've seen that happen. Your own cats <laughs> catch your mouth. Yep. Sometimes they don't actually complete that sequence, but because, which just highlights the point, it's, it's the process of capturing that is almost more important than the actual consumption um, of that item. Because we know from studies that cats that are well fed and full will still hunt. 
because it's, a, it's just a different need than actual consume, consumption for calories. It's the whole mental stimulation, the plotting, the planning, and the engagement with that prey item that is really important for their well-being. And so providing these hunting opportunities, most people are not going to release mice in their house <laughs> for that, although I have recommended on occasion crickets in a bathtub. No and, kidding. <laughs> well, one son I've had... Once, very few people do it, but I, it's very enriching. <laughs> once when somebody called in live to catch that when it was on Sirius, I didn't know what to say because they said they'd gone to the pet store and bought a live mouse, which are there for snakes because people have to feed some of the, I guess, I don't know, larger snakes will eat a frozen rat. I don't know exactly. It's not my choice of pet. But that someone had bought, brought home a live mouse to amuse their cat and had put it in some sort of a bowl. And it became a real humane issue. Like, you know, yeah. do we have to worry about the well-being of crickets? You know, on some level, we should kind of. Certainly mice yeah. are also people's <laughs> beloved pets. So mm-hmm. do, you know, on the other hand, in the wild, in nature... I mean, I let my dogs, I can't stop my dogs from getting chipmunks and baby rabbits and squirrels whenever they're able to. It's a, I mean, Wanda got a woodchuck one day when she was only about six months old herself. I swear the woodchuck was half her size. Happiest girl in the world, spraying herself and whatever else with blood. So there's some things that you can't stop, but you don't really want to like set it up. It seems, it seems Kind yeah, of it cool. seems like there's an evolutionary, yes. evolutionary yes. fairness for the outdoor. Correct. <laughs> yes, there you go. That's well no, said. I agree, agree. I'm not advocating for people to get mice and, and torment them in a bowl by any means, please. But on the other <laughs> hand. probably some welfare issue for the cricket. You're yes, right. yes, um, because there's always the, going to be somebody. Being, yeah. We aren't going to do that, so we have to get creative with what we are providing to our cats. So we need to get toys that mimic that prey species as best possible so that quick unpredictable movement small certain noises like the higher pitch noises that a prey species might make little right squeaks, little crinkles yes little higher frequency sounds tend to be very stimulating for our cats and are going to cause them to engage in that sequence of stalking chasing and, and, and pouncing what's interesting in the chapter and i appreciate throughout the book when particular brand names or products are mentioned i'm a big fan of that because if someone had to choose what to buy as a, a, a food dispensing or treat dispensing toy they could spend money needlessly on something that's not well made that isn't thoughtful in the way it's been constructed or that a cat doesn't really relate to. Each cat being an individual, of course, there's some cats that will want one kind versus another. But it not only mentions about five different brands and styles of dispensers, but it also tells you um, how to make one of your own, a food dispensing toy or treat dispensing toy. So I, I think that's really a great thing about the book. It both supports products that are made carefully, thoughtfully, safely made for cats, but also tells you what's behind it and what why, why they have value and how you could do your own if you're a DYI kind of person. I guess one thing I want to say about food dispensing toys is that while a big fat meal settling down to a Thanksgiving meal twice a day for a cat isn't quite natural unless, you know, maybe a three and a half ounce can is about equivalent to a very fat bird or a fat mouse, but the gorging all at one meal or eating everything at one meal and then sitting there and kind of burping isn't really 
how a cat is wired. It's to go after it. So while everybody knows that my strong opinion, passionate opinion, is that cats are obligate carnivores whose digestive tracts are not designed to properly metabolize carbohydrates, therefore dry food, which has an addictive quality for many cats, and therefore I call it kitty crack, is not the way to feed your cat, nor to put it into a toy, but you could put in there two choices. One is any kind of a high-protein treat that, that will fit the shape of the exit size of the toy. There's lots of high-protein treats. Please only give ones that are made of 100% freeze-dried protein, not something that's made soft and chewy with some nasty chemicals. Or Dr. Elsie did come up with the only dry food that I say to people who for various reasons say I have to have dry food. It's called clean protein, and it's made 95% of the protein that cats' bodies are made to digest, made by nature, going back to Egyptian times or before. But the food dispensing toys, Dr. Heron, have different mechanisms, right? And I think one of the great things about this chapter in Decoding Your Cat is it describes the different styles and how you can know from your cat's own style of play which kind of food or treat dispensing toy would most appeal to them. In other words, the ones that look like they're supposedly an IQ kind of thing, you have to open a little drawer or a, or a, or a space. Is that something mm-hmm. that you think any cat could relate to or some cats would think, what are you doing? I'm not a two-year-old child taking an IQ test. Oh, yeah. These, these toys are absolutely not a one-size-fits-all. And I think you're going to have to get to know your cat a little better and, and give them preference tests, right? Which right. is why we do a lot of the DIY um, options because it can get really expensive if Correct. you go out and buy every single one of these recommended toys. And I think experimenting a bit with do-it-yourself and seeing the play style your cat has. Are they the type that, that wants to strategize? Do they want to have to move pieces, parts, and find out which compartment is hiding the treat? Or do they want something that's more in motion, that they have to stalk and chase and bat around to get right. to come out? And it's also, um, you know, the shape of your home and the arrangement of your furniture, because I know, for example, the Slim Cat compared to the Exerciser. Slim Cat is wonderful. It's round. It rolls so easily, but it rolls right under your couch. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, funny. Uh, the Exerciser is a very similar concept in that it's round, it rolls, and you can adjust the size for the treat to come out, but it's oblong, so it rolls in a circle instead of right under oh, the couch. Oh, how so interesting. Depending on how your furniture is set up, right? There's so many individual factors not just cat-related, but human-related that go into the best choice for for each home. That's a good point because the last thing you want to do is frustrate the cat. On the one hand, you Mm -hmm. want to stimulate them and make it a fun chase, but the payoff must always be there. And I think that's another thing that the Feline Dream Home chapter of Decoding Your Cat brings out is that there's ways in which you are frustrating and stressing and making your cat emotionally very unhappy, and you don't realize it. You think you're doing fine. Uh, This chapter has a lot about toys. Laser pointers are one that I worry about because people laugh and giggle and put things on YouTube of the cat or the kitten chasing this laser light, but there's no payoff to it. And therefore, it's chasing something, getting that that hardwired part of their brain engaged, releasing adrenaline and probably lots of other hormones and chemicals, but 
is it not true that you have to have a payoff to whatever the game is, even a, a feather pole toy? You have to, at the end, let the cat pounce on it. And then often they say, then give a nice little morsel of cheese or protein or a freeze-dried something so that he actually ingests something because it completes a cycle that their brain is hardwired on a very primitive level to do. So can you talk about the kind of toys that people play with with cats, thinking this is fun, the cat's running around, good for the cat, exercise. Oh, look, the cat's jumping on the wall and under this and over that. But then where's the payoff? And you leave a cat in an aroused incomplete state kind of like <gasps> I mean talk can you talk about that because you're a behaviorist and you've counseled people with cat emotional issues that the people don't understand how you play with them is pretty important not just what you play with them sure sure and I, I will say that it's important for the for most cats for most of the play to be interactive meaning there's a person on the other end of that right um, because that social interaction is is half the fun right so there's mental stimulation you are you know you're providing an outlet for that hunting instinct but there are you know it's the interaction part of it so whether it's tossing a toy and having them bring some cats will fetch oh yeah i've had cats right back to you they learn that the, the game continues when you throw it they grab it so they get to stalk it pounce on it grab it shake it and then bring it right back to you and start the game over again. So they're getting that that interaction with you as well. Um, again, you want something that mimics that prey-like behavior. So erratic movements, um, stopping and starting, something that's small. Um, and so there's lots of varieties. And, and every cat's an individual. So, again, it's going to take some preference testing to see what they prefer. You know, you've seen those little toys that are like a, like a fishing line where you cast it and then slowly reel it in and then, you know, vary, you know, how quickly you bring it in just – clearly being careful not to leave that string out because we don't want cats to try to eat a string that's very dangerous for them. But it's a great toy under supervision. And then you've mentioned the laser pointers. And I think the appeal of that is that they are so appealing to cats. Yes. And if you want to see most cats just hop off of a couch wherever they're resting and go after something, you just bring out the laser pointer. But it, what it does is it, it stimulates that seeking part of the brain much like those of us who like to troll the internet <laughs> hour after hour after hour. It's, it's addicting, right? And without an end point, it right. can go on and on and mm-hmm. on, and that can really create some neuroses. Now, where we really see these neuroses, I know we're talking about cats, is with dogs. So we, we really strongly recommend against using it in dogs. I've seen it unleash so many compulsive light-chasing disorders in dogs. Wow. On the flip side, I, I've not seen that be as problematic in cats. If and I do recommend people do it correctly. So they they engage them in that seeking, that hunting, that chasing, stalking, because they'll do it all, right? They'll crouch way down. They'll pounce. They'll grab. They'll chase it back and forth. And the human doesn't have to do a whole lot, right? doesn't require much movement on your no. part. So really any person can do this. It's just you, you've got to provide an end point. So the hunting, there is an end to the sequence of hunting, and that is capturing, right? And ideally shaking and consuming, but not every cat even even if they had access to an actual prey species would even complete that it's the capturing that's the most important part and so what we usually recommend is you end that pointer on a toy or on a treat and it's again once they grab it the the light goes away and they can consume or or pick up whatever if you've seen the secret life of (laughs) the scene with the laser pointer is priceless where she becomes the queen. <gasps> she caught the dot. I mean, it's it's like that, right? right. <laughs> that need to just capture. And 
and sometimes you got to get your timing right. And and this isn't for every cat. I definitely have seen cats develop neuroses where they're obsessed with where that laser cornea is kept. They cannot recover from the arousal and yes. excitement stimulated from that. So if you're noticing your cat is overly aroused, getting super vocal, is not calming down, let's say you end it on a treat or a toy and they don't care about it, it's not the same thing, and they're not calming down, then it, that's not the toy for your cat. It's just too much. And I guess the other thing we it's should caution, much. which mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing in that chapter, but it may be in others, is that is not a toy to be put in the hands of children. Children you have are children correct. are unable to conceive of what this does inside a cat's brain or that it's not just random haha. It's being done mm-hmm. by adults or should be to fulfill a cat's hardwired needs to hunt. It's not just to laugh at your cat. This is why people, I don't like pet videos online. They're always about shaming and making fun of animals almost entirely. Ha oh, ha agree. ha. And so that's why the Cat Film Festival has none of those kind of videos. I don't think we should ever laugh at cats, just like we should never use bad language because it becomes a habit and we it affects the way that we're looking at them. So mm-hmm. this playing, while we could laugh and have a wonderful time, they're not there to amuse us. We're there to fulfill their needs. It's not an amusement for them, as Dr. Heron said. It is an absolute core need of theirs to hunt, to catch. Isn't it true also that lions, I've never studied lions much, but that they're, and that cats are this way too, domestic cats, that the hunting and the the stalking and the killing is what it's all about, and that lions often leave some big animal that they've caught, kind of they take two bites and leave it to the hyenas or whomever else. It's really that they need to do that killing. They may not even have a huge Mm -hmm. appetite at the time. Do do you know if that's true? Yeah, I have certainly heard of, of, I don't know how often that happens, but I've certainly, I've heard anecdotal reports of in the wild, large cats. It's it's all about the chase, right? And if they're satiated and don't need to consume, or they're just not hungry at that moment, they may not. But that instinct, that kind of fixed action pattern, something's moving quickly, must, <laughs> must chase, must grab. And, yes. Um, it's, again, it's, it's hardwired. And just like we talked about the barn cats as well. Like they may be full, but That's they will right. still chase and, and capture a mouse even if they don't eat it because that, that need of going through the sequence of staring, stalking, chasing, pouncing, and, and grabbing is, is so necessary for them. It's great that we have a chance to explain this to people. I think once people get it, they're going to want to play with their cats in a different way. But we're just really skimming the surface and talking about really selfishly on my part, the things that jumped out at me as something I didn't fully understand and hope other people will. But yet again, may I say, please get Decoding Your Cat. It's such a wonderful book. It's full of photos also, not pretty cutie photos, but really helpful um useful photos that can show you how to set things up and how to solve problems for your kitties, especially in the feline dream home chapter. So thank you for being here, Dr. Heron. Thank you for, for making, bringing this book to fruition. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. Sure thing, as do I. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. 
It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey, so your cat's appetite is satisfied longer without compromising her health. This is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry food to your cat, even as part of her diet, although I recommend that canned food should always be your cat's primary diet. Feel free to reach out to me with questions or comments to radiopetlady at gmail.com. Now pop over to Amazon Prime or Tubi TV where you can watch streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free. Also thanks to Dr. Elsie's.